Hey girl, you're listening to the For The Girl podcast, the podcast designed for you. Join Mac and Ken's as they cover all the hard topics for real life girls trying to love Jesus. Get ready for encouragement, truth, and let's be real, a little bit of a hot mess. Is it just me or are Mac and Ken's your new best friends? Let's get into the episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the For the Girl podcast. If it's your first time ever with us, we are so glad you're here. My name is Mac, my co-host over there. Her name is Ken's. <laughs> Hello. And if you're a regular and a good old faithful here at the For the Girl podcast, thanks for being back. Thanks for showing up with us every week and just listening to us blab on about our lives and about all the things that God is doing. I'm really, really excited about today's episode. We have a longtime friend, our girl Krista. She is going to be sharing all about her journey and her process of starting a ministry. And this episode is for the girl who has a God-sized dream. So if you have any sort of little dream that God has just placed on your heart, maybe he's just been whispering to you in the quiet places, no matter what it is, I think this episode is really, really going to encourage you. And it's one that like Ken's and I are very passionate about. So we're hoping you guys love it too, because yes. this was, this is one of those episodes that I had more fun recording than I have had with episodes in a while, just because like so it's passionate true. about this topic, Ken's. It's true. It's true. But we're afraid we might be the only ones. So you got to give us some feedback on this one, you guys, because we love talking about like chasing after dreams and starting things. But you know, I know that that's it not might be a little too life. niche. And that's yeah. okay. If it is, if it is, it's we'll okay. We're here for talking it. about the other things. <laughs> that's true. Yes. Yeah, we're pretty pumped. Let's talk about the fact that I got this sick phone yesterday. I got an upgrade guys. Of this no, you iPhone. did it. You downgraded. That's the funny thing. <laughs> Ken's was telling me about how she needed to get a new phone. She goes and gets a new phone and she literally got, I'm pretty sure that is like the Apple, like the iPhone for kids, right? It's the iPhone SE. So it still has the little button and it has one camera lens, but this one camera lens is strong. Which is fine. If you wanted to have the iPhone SE, that's great. But I'm just still confused at the fact that you <laughs> yeah. picked a different iPhone. You come home, you unpackage the iPhone SE, and you're just full sending it. You're just going yeah. with it. And the funny thing is the Ryzen store is like less than a mile away from my house, but I like am just way too lazy to change it. And we know I'm going to have this phone for the next three Six years. years. Yeah, yeah, six years. It's I mean, Ken and I let we let our phones go to the grave. Like they, <laughs> they die. Like you know. I mean, we, let's let's we run them some, into the ground. Let's list off some other areas of our life that we're just really irresponsible in, just so people. My can car. Teach. I think we've already talked about both of our tags are far expired. No, my tag is literally 2018. I think mine is close. <laughs> And like, I hate that about us. We need to get it together, Ken's. Like, I know it's, I, it's so 2020. bad. It's, I'm pretty sure it's like, it's so bad. I hope nobody from the government is listening and to the podcast right like, now. And they're both like dirty and gross. And then, I mean, oh, let's talk about the fact that Mac has roasted me on this podcast for so long about having rodents yeah. in my house. But let's talk about the fact that Mac has a rats. A mice problem right yeah, now. Yeah, we have mice. We don't have rats, thank goodness, but we do have mice. Yep. Yep. We both live in pretty old homes. We so. live in old homes that like there's just bugs 
it's just the way. How's your taxes coming along over there, Mac? It's well, tax I haven't season. Do, I haven't done my taxes yet. I know you haven't done your taxes. <laughs> no, no. You I also have a husband now who gladly it. does your taxes for you. I have a husband that's six years younger than me, and I had to teach him how to do his taxes. <laughs> so I get no help in the taxes department. Yeah. I mean, the good news is, is Mac, you, you changed your last name since being made, which was a step. That was a big step. That was a big step. Because knowing you, you would have let that go for four more years. Years. The best thing I did was like I booked a flight four months out with my new name. And as my, it was quickly approaching and I was like, I really wanted to go on this trip. I had no option. So it forced me to change my name. So that's my tip for all of you ladies who need to change your name. Just book a flight. It forces you to do it. (laughs) That's good. How's your master bathroom looking Charles George is calling me. I wonder who that is. What? Who I don't is know, it that? Just says Charles George. I have no idea. My mom probably calling me to tell me some some bill is unpaid or something. <laughs> Charles George. My master bathroom is definitely dirty. It's definitely yeah. dirty. I, our ba- master baths are never put together. You guys, mine is not looking good right now either. I- we have been on the. Oh. We have been a little busy, so I will give us a little bit of leniency, a little bit of room. I'm completely okay. out of toilet paper in my house right now. Oh Every my goodness, time. you do that a lot. I, we yep. keep toilet paper stocked in our house, and I have a really stuffy nose, which means I can't wipe or blow my nose because obviously I don't have Kleenex in my home. And if any of you I guys say, own Kleenex, you are crazy. That's impressive. I mean, I would yeah. say that is one thing that Tyler Tyler has come in and changed my life about is like, I used to be the girl every time I bought toilet paper, I would buy the four pack because I hated yeah. carrying the big thing of toilet paper out to my car. I would refuse to buy more than four rolls. Well, it's also like $10.99 versus like $40.99. Yeah, so I would always buy the four-pack and then always be out of toilet paper, but Tyler is the kind of guy who buys the big packs, which is really awesome because you never I don't know toilet paper. I but don't know like- why you're buying toilet paper at the store. Why are you not Amazoning this? <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't know. This is just what we do. We do. <laughs> Oh, we don't, neither Tyler and I have our own Amazon accounts. We both still use our parents' Amazon accounts. What? I Amazon like on a regular basis, but that probably helps you in your budget. So stick with it. Yeah. Because I feel like I would get dangerous. I'd go to get toilet paper on Amazon and I'd just throw in like the cute set I saw on TikTok or something. So it's probably not the best. Yeah, that's true. I, right. I haven't gotten into buying clothes on Amazon yet. I know that's like a thing and I'm probably really late, but I have never bought something off of Amazon. But let's really quickly, as we wrap up this intro and get into the episode, let's talk about the fact that there's probably a lot of people listening to this episode that love the For The Girl podcast, but have never left a review. What do you have to say to them, Mac? <laughs> <laughs> this is Ken's favorite topic, guys. For all of our sake, you guys have... just leave a review so I don't have to hear her talk about it anymore. You guys, why is it that Mac does not care about our reviews and I care? Anytime I try to give us a shout out, do you realize that most normal podcasts have review inserts all the time, but we don't? I am t- I'm the only one that pulls for reviews of the two of us. So, Have you checked our reviews recently? We've got a lot of new reviews. 
I'm not satisfied. Okay, we have like 900 reviews and we're like, oh, we're seven away from a thousand, guys. Can you guys help can us you get to a thousand? Be one of the seven. Be one of the seven. Come on. I mean, here's the thing. This isn't about trying to make it big in the world. This is about the fact that if you have good reviews, people will actually listen. I mean, we've all been scrolling the podcast app and go to a podcast that has a cute little photo. But then you see that it only has a little bit of a couple of reviews and you're like, "Eh, I don't know, should I listen? It's a little bit risky. So also it puts it on the top of the chart, which just more people will listen, guys, and it will get in their hands. And then they'll buy a Bible study and then they'll reconnect with Jesus and then it will be amazing. It will be yes. so good. So. That's so good, Kens. Yeah. I think you convinced them all. Convinced <laughs> us. Thanks for that. We got to get into today's episode. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. It is time to get into our incredible conversation with Krista. Krista Briel. Briel. We learned how to say her name. We Krista Briel. She yeah. used to be Krista Hengish, but she got married. Krista Briel, and she's amazing. You guys are really in for a treat. I'm so excited. And like we said, if you loved this episode and if you want to know, hear more about chasing God's side dreams, let us know because we will DM love us. to do more. Okay. Text we love you guys. Let's get in to the episode. All right, For the Girl fam, I'm so excited to tell you about something really cool that we have happening this month with our friends at Operation Christmas Childs. I know you guys have seen those red and green shoe boxes that pop up in the months leading up to Christmas that you fill with all sorts of goodies, and then they get shipped to children all over the world to help share the good news of Jesus. And maybe you thought, man, it's too late. I'm going to have to wait until next year to build one of those boxes. Never fear. We're so excited because over the next month, in honor of For the Girl Tour, we are coming together as a For the Girl community and aiming to build 300 online shoe boxes to help spread the gospel all over the world. It's such a fun process. All you have to do is go to the link in the show notes and you can build your own online box. It only costs $25. You get to pick what sort of things you want to put in there. You can get to you even get to choose if it's for a boy or for a girl. And then you just put in your information and wham, there you go. It's an incredible way just to kind of share the love of Jesus outwardly and to really begin to step into some tangible ways to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I'm really pumped that we're all coming together and doing this. I can't wait to build my box. I know Ken's can't wait to build her box. And then we can't wait to update you each and every week on the podcast of how many boxes we've built thus far. So I think we have like three right now. So we have a long way to go. Our goal is 300 shoe boxes. So head to that link in the show notes, go build your box and say yes to just sharing the gospel with children all over the world. All right, everybody, we are so excited to jump into this episode. I know we say that all the time, but I feel like I'm extra excited today because we have an old friend with us. Her name's Krista Hengish. And actually, Krista started one of the very first delight chapters in California at Chapman University. And honestly, we always say that all other delight chapters started through friends of hers. And so she really started delight. So we're really excited for the other founder of Delight to be on this conversation with you. But she's much more than that. She's also started 
her own ministry herself and has such an influence all over the country and in so many lives. And today we're going to talk about God-sized dreams and just how to chase after those and what it looks like and the fears and the nerves and the challenges along the way. But first, Krista. And I'm so sorry, Krista. You will just always be Krista Hengish. Oh, shoot. Yeah, she got that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) We just can't. We can't switch it in our brains ever. You're just it's always fine. Krista Hengish. It's the OG friendship. It's totally fine. I love it. Wait, I'm literally <laughs> blanking. What's your what's your last name? Last Briel. It's oh, a random last name. Everything is backwards. It's like E and I and L and H. And never spell it correctly myself. <laughs> you know, it's one of those names where like I've seen it. I saw the switch on socials, all yeah. the different things, but I've never said it out loud before. <laughs> so I'm glad you said it out loud for me now. <laughs> Same. Our hashtag was Briel Love. So it's kind of easy, like Briel Love. like Briel. Oh, okay, got I it. I like that. That's easy. Okay, but yes. Okay, Krista, share just like maybe a little bit about yourself, like fun things. We'll get into the biz stuff in a second the biz stuff well the most (laughs) fun fact is that I currently live in a sorority house my husband and I are Seattle Washington next University of Washington and he runs um like a sports ministry and so I live with 22 men who are all college athletes and we live in like a 200 (laughs) square foot room with no kitchen and so my husband and I absolutely just love pouring into the younger generations and talking about Jesus and the things that actually matter in life and give you a lot of just fulfillment and satisfaction in general too. It's probably the most fun fact about me. I love the outdoors. love being active. Um, I eat a lot of frozen food right now because I have no kitchen. It's not the best diet, but you know, we're working with it. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. So are you like the big sister for all these college guys, athlete guys? I can tell like you your, What's your vibes stories. with them? <laughs> Um, pretty casual. I try to be really approachable. So I always ask those like dumb questions, but a few really sweet interactions. Whereas for Valentine's day, some guy was like, yo, JJ, and I knocked on our door and was like, sorry, he's not here. How can I help you? And he had this huge bouquet of flowers for his girlfriend. He's like, do you have a vase for these? And I'm like, I have nothing in my room. It's so small, but you can go find you one for the kitchen. So you go in there and grab a little, like water pitcher to put the flowers in. I was like, well, also when you buy new flowers and you cut the bottoms of it off, so they have more chance to get water into the stem. So they're teaching this like linebacker, like 200 pound <laughs> man, how to cut flowers and put them in a vase. And so there's little Aww. interactions like that that happen in the kitchen or the hallways that we just like absolutely adore. And it's, it is really a fun season of life. There's days when I hate it and days that I love it, but it's a God story, right? I couldn't choose to live it by myself. And it's just so cool to see how God's positioned us to do things that we never would have imagined, but are so life-giving and refining and an adventure. Yeah. That's so good. So cool. And I'm really excited. It's so fun to have a long tenure of friendship with somebody because it's really fun seeing you in this season of ministry. But it's also so cool that I can remember the early days of ministry for you when Live Salted, when it all kind of began, kind of the like incubator phase of it all and how our paths crossed through Delight and you starting one of our first Delight chapters. And so I think it'd be really cool just go back. You actually were on a staff meeting with us recently and you kind of shared some of the crossings of those two stories. And so just kind of having you share from the beginning for people, if they don't know kind of your backstory and how you kind of got to where you are now in ministry. Yeah, my heart's like fluttering right now. Just the whole thing is so Jesus. There's just no way of explaining it outside of the Lord. 
So I chose to go to a non-Christian school because I wanted to be a light at my campus, but I got down to Chapman in California and there was just like nothing there for believers. There was no church I could walk to because I have a car. There was like one or two Christian organizations, but just no one really went to them and they weren't led well. And so I didn't feel like I could find myself like a home in that environment. And so I went away my freshman summer to a church camp to go serve for a month and came back. I was like, I'm leaving this school. This sucks. No one here likes to do the things that I like to do. I need to leave. And I heard the Lord whisper and he's like, but Krista, I brought you here for a reason. You're here to create community and be like, you can't run away from the problem. Yeah. And I was like, okay, fine. You're right. <laughs> so I started Bible study through my sorority. I had like, was shaking, standing up and meeting, like, I'm a Christian. They want to hang out with me. And like five girls <laughs> said yes, but I had no idea what I was doing. And I was really insecure about leading at the time. I've, I speak fast and sometimes I mutter my words together. And so the huge insecurity aren't even being capable to lead. But I was doing like five girls in my house and I had no idea what I was doing. It was like Googling questions for small groups, like Christian women's things and found nothing online. And I was just kind of annoyed of people in college with this hunger to actually go out and change things. They want to like, see their life make a difference in the world around them. But I was just so annoyed that nothing was like, geared for believers who were in college online. And so I was researching and found nothing. So then one day I was on Pinterest doing research for a branding project and I was scrolling through like cute branding options and stuff and came across a pin that had the word delight in script and it had color samples and floral prints and stuff on it. I think it's really cute. I click on it and it was taken to your guys's branders website. And then through there found a link to delight ministries. And it was like, this explained exactly what I was looking for like weeks and weeks on Google, but I couldn't find on Google. And then here I am on Pinterest. And I find delight. <laughs> and it was just one of those moments where I'm like, God, how? I remember so clearly sitting on this couch in my living room, like sweating because it was super hot down in California. And just like looking at my computer and just being so shocked that like he did it through Pinterest. Um, so fast forward, I get a hold of you guys. We're having our first Skype call back before Zoom was around. And the connection was pretty bad. And so I was trying to figure out more about who you were since like you didn't have a really robust website yet. It was pretty like just basic information online. So I went to your Facebook page and I clicked on your cover photo. And when it got enlarged on my screen, I literally couldn't, I guess, stop breathing because in the bottom left-hand corner of this pink brick background that had delight over it, my initials were etched into the brick. And I was like, okay, Lord, this is just weird. Like, I don't know what you're doing here, but I guess I am supposed to do this. And then after that, we had a group of people coming to my house. About 60 of them would come out on Monday night. And I realized that I wasn't actually alone at my college, that there were more people out there who just needed to be invited someplace and have a safe place to grow and discover their faith. And I was able to provide that for them. And it was such a blessing. I got to meet you guys. And so this whole thing is just so divine how it all kind of played together. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So crazy. I love that story. I love looking back and it really is cool how God uses like so many different people too to see his plans unfold. You must have been the most like popular college girl across the country because I swear after that, it was like <laughs> everybody knew about Delight and we were like, yeah. Suddenly, we owe it all to yeah. you, Krista. You we were say so it all welcome. the time. <laughs> thank you. We really do. We really do. That's so funny. Well, I remember when you guys were talking to me, it was... When I reached out to you, I remember you saying that it was the first time that you thought this thing could actually grow outside of your friend group. Yeah. It was just like so cool how the Lord just used both stories of yeah. know, through Pinterest. You're like, how does it, I'm scrolling through pretty things and I yeah. find a ministry. It's just yeah. so cool. So crazy. Okay. So you led Delight through college, did an incredible job. And then what led you 
to step out of college and start to do your own thing in women's ministry? Like, how do you come up with that idea? How was it placed on your heart? How was it developed? How did it all happen? It just, it all comes back to you guys. It's seriously the most beautiful thing. So I felt alone my freshman year of high school or college. Delight came around. We had 60 girls who were there. My junior year, I went abroad and met women across the world who also had this hunger for online space or resources. And then my senior year came back. And at that point, I think there was like three or four other delights in California within an hour and a half of where I was located. And so in my little senior brain, I had then three years education around public relations, advertising and marketing, and just loved the idea of community and just bringing people together. And I remember calling you guys. I'm like, hey, could I like, could you just fly out here? We could do a conference with like, all the different delights in California to actually get together and be as one. And you guys were like, great idea, let's do it. And then something happened where you weren't able to fly out anymore or just things came through the cracks or whatever it was. And I thought in my head, like, well, why shouldn't we still gather? People are still probably feeling lonely in their seasons of life and want to actually come together for community and fellowship. And so <laughs> something got in my bones. And like when that spirit is inside of you, like nothing stops you. And so because I had a background in marketing, I loved learning about guerrilla marketing, which is like, how do you just insert yourself in people's lives in a really creative way? And so February 1st, we launched Salt's website because I knew we needed to have credibility to actually build an event out. And then two months later, I had a conference. But for those two months, I went to almost every single Christian school from San Diego up to Malibu, which is probably a two-hour like drive radius, not too much of miles. And I bought 2,000 blue Easter eggs because it was around Easter time that we were marketing and put coupon codes and like all of the Easter eggs, a free ticket or different discounts and stuff. And I hid them on different girls' floors, was sneaking in, knocking on every single door of dorm rooms, walking around parking lots and putting in flyers like girl looking cars. I just had this crazy hunger that everyone <laughs> needed cars. to know who Jesus was. <laughs> <laughs> it was insane, but it paid off yeah. because... He went after launching this brand new ministry and having no credibility and no clout and no background and nothing really behind it. Besides, it was a huge, kind of helpful element to that marketing too. We had 300 girls who came to this conference mm-hmm. and it just blew my mind that people wanted to come spend mm-hmm. a whole day in worship and meeting with Jesus. So I don't know, you guys canceled plans. Maybe it might have had salt yes. happen if you hadn't come. Maybe it wouldn't have <laughs> here. Who knows? Yeah, that's so cool. And I want you to share too about the salt shaker and where that came, Oh yeah, where that all came from. I love that part of the story too. Oh, I forget that too. Okay. So my freshman year, yeah, before salt was, Live Salt was even a ministry, we were doing a salty things within our delight group at Chapman. So my freshman year, I was in a triple dorm room. So There's three beds in a small room, not a lot of privacy and alone time. And my faith was like really strong my freshman year. I just really wanted to go be a light at Chapman. And so oftentimes when I needed to get away and pray, I would go to the parking structure next to our cafeteria and just go walk to the top floor and just go pray and look out over the sunset and stuff. And so one day I decided to go up there to pray because I was trying to discern like what I, how I wanted, if I wanted to drink or not going to a formal for my sorority. So I was going up the stairs one day, trying to talk to the Lord about stuff. And as I got to the spot that I used to always stand and to look out over the horizon, there was a straight up salt shaker just sitting on the little balcony of this parking structure. Mm-hmm. And I was just laughing so hard. Like, hey, Lord, obviously you're still pursuing me in this way. I, mm-hmm. You're still inviting me to be this different kind of role model for those around me. who I can still go and partake in the things that my sorority does, but actually do it a little different way where I stand out because I'm not doing all the things the culture while still being 
not judgmental and present and accepting and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I shared that story at a conference a few years later and it was hilarious because I was like, that's probably for a tequila shop. That's the reason why I was up there. <laughs> and it just felt <laughs> even funny how the Lord can take something that was to you yeah. for a completely different reason and then make it have a whole new meaning through the right perspective. Yeah, it's so cool. I think as dreamers, as people who are like, all right, God, I want to be used by you. It's really fun to look back on your life and to see the evidence of what God's been doing all along that led to the dream, that led to the passion and the heartbeat for it. Because I think both Ken's and I can say like, as we've looked back on our life, it has all seemed so obvious. Yeah. It's so funny. Like when the moment happens, when you're like, Oh, I think this is what I'm supposed to do. It feels so crazy. And so out of the norm. And so it's really cool how God kind of weaves our stories like that together. And so I want to know for you, okay. So you had this conference, 300 girls showed up, you're a senior in college. And here we are years later. What has that in between looked like? How do you go from that first moment of momentum where like, okay, God, you're doing something, clearly you're working to then, okay, but the real world is also here and you have to begin to kind of move into this kind of more of the structure of the real world, starting a business, starting a nonprofit, whatever it looks like. So what did that journey and process look like for you? Such a good question. It involved a lot of frustration (laughs) and a lot of it feeling like God is almost like, I don't know, teasing me or just like dragging me around sometimes. And it sounds like me. I don't think that God is a tease or dog. God doesn't drag us around, but that feeling sometimes you're just in that season of confusion and transition. So as soon as the conference happened, I graduated about a month and a half later and then I moved to Bend, Oregon. So my mom had just moved there recently and bought a house. And so I had no community there. I had no direction of my life. I had a degree in PR and ad and like, leadership and just experience like a move of God with 300 mm-hmm. basically strangers in a state that I don't live in anymore. And I also was in debt like $3,000 because I wasn't a business person and I had gone like way too above and beyond with handing out bags and Laffy Taffies and like all of the stuff that just was not a business smart decision. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, Lord, I gave you now all of my grad money has now gone to pay off parts of this debt. I have no idea what my future plan is. I'm in a city where I don't know anyone. At that point, actually, my mom didn't even have her new house yet. So it was me, my sister, and my mom all sharing a one-bedroom rental where I was like sleeping on a couch every single night. And it was just a season of like, hey, God, what do you want me to do? Hmm. And it was fascinating because I think I think I had this question intentionally. I had a mentor that I met my freshman year of college named Dawn, and she prayed this prayer over me that I think has actually bookmarked salt ever since that first prayer that she gave. She'd be the one that would make me smoothies and massage my back and cut my hair for me while I was trying to build out salt for the first time. She was just that yes person with me. But she prayed over me and she said, Lord, bring Krista, whoever she needs to have salt become what you want it to become. Bring her the people that she needs. Mm. And it's been so cool to see. I can probably, if I were to look back over the last seven years of Salted, I could probably put, give you a few names for each year that actually allowed salt to be what it is today, whether they be mentors or speakers or donors or people on the board. It's like complete people are just like somehow see something in me that I don't always see in myself and just want to go after it. So then I find myself though in Bend and I'm just, my whole life is in a complete upheaval. I have no idea what's going on. I'm just confused. And I felt like I should fast. And it never was a thing I'd done before in the past. I just knew that was spiritual discipline to try to seek answers. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to eat vegetables for three days and just pray <laughs> and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I laugh because I was working at a restaurant at the time. And by the third day, I was like dropping plates because I was just so tired of not having energy. So I had some chicken during the middle of the day. But just fasting, like more than being religious about it, it's just the idea of I want to create space to hear from the Lord. And it's Mm -hmm. taking an actual physical act to show that you are hungry for more from the Lord. And during that time, the Lord, I felt like was just saying to me, you need help. There's someone that's reached out to you in the past, go find them and take it one step at a time. And I remember that I got a random email from this person that I had no idea who she was after the first conference. And so I was like, okay, so go into my email inbox. I'm scrolling through <laughs> trying to find a person's name that I don't know who it is. And I came across the name of Emily Jameson. And so this email that basically was just her saying, I love what you get to do, what you just did. My friend's daughter was on your planning team. It's incredible. I have no agenda here. If you want to kind of ever need help or support, let me know. So I email her and we start building a friendship just over FaceTimes and phone calls. And we created a Bible study that first summer called Bible 101. And Emily now is one of my best friends. I lived in her basement with their four kids in Seattle. They're why I actually live in Seattle. She carries such a huge part of Salt's culture and who she is. And it's all because of an email she sent. And again, it's that it's Dawn's prayer coming true of bring her who she needs to make these things happen. Um, and so that was kind of the big moment of, okay, Laura, I think you're asking me to actually keep doing this, keep creating content online to build like credibility and just content in general. And I felt invited to do another conference tour. And because I wasn't living in California anymore, I felt like I should do them in Seattle and in Oregon. It's where I'm from. And then it's where Emily was living. It's just like, I think without going into all the details, it comes down to the idea that when you, when God, when you feel like God's inviting you to do something, you're going to have to actually feel risky when doing it. And it's going to feel like you actually need to have this faith that makes no sense. And so similar to a time in ta- California, I went to Seattle knowing no one, went to like four or five campuses by myself, walked on campus, like sat in cafeterias, stuck into dorm rooms, knocked on doors, handed out flyers, and was just at times like the question I ask is, am I being an idiot or am I following Jesus? And that line sometimes is just so small. And <clears throat> for this event in particular, there was one point when I felt like God was telling me to just do things in faith. So I got a credit card and this, I would not say this to everyone. This is not advice to the whole world. To jump <laughs> I got a credit card. I got a credit card and I felt like buying merchandise helps kind of create revenue if you do it well. So I bought some like merchandise on the credit card. I had to pay for a venue in Seattle, which was like $1,700, which is a ton of money. And I just felt like I kept asking the Lord, just do it in faith, do it in faith, do it in faith. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I remember so clearly I was in my mom's house and looking at the credit card statement and it was for $10,000. Like this is like not a little like chunk of change. And we were about a month out from the conference and I had sold, I think like 25 tickets in total for both of the events. And I was in my room, so pissed. I was like, Lord, mm-hmm. I'm here again. I have money on a credit card. I'm going to be in debt because of you. But I feel like I'm doing this for you. I could get a job anywhere else. You better show up. Or like I'm done. Like I'm walking away from this. Mm-hmm. And I remember hearing someone's story a few months earlier and the saying of like, if it's God's will, it's his bill. <laughs> so I was like, okay, Lord, if it's your will, it's your bill. Like figure this out. Mm-hmm. Um, and long story short, we had the conferences, 500 people came through both of them. And I had $10,000 in the bank after everything was said and done. And again, you, I think it's easy to hear these God stories and like almost at times roll your eyes or think it can't be me or whatever. But 
when you, when I felt the pain and the fear and the actual like the needed faith to get out of this hole I created for myself, it puts you in a space of intimacy with Jesus where you're just like, okay, Lord, you better show up and prove me wrong. Yeah. And there's this line that I kind of came to that during that season of life, like I want to live a life that it would be embarrassing if God didn't show up because I'm so far out of my own comfort zone and so far out of the boat. And it's a prayer that I want people to be asking themselves more and more, but so often that we just don't want to kind of get uncomfortable to get to that point. But I have so many stories where he has pulled through at the last minute, it feels like. And because of that, I trust mm. him. I can do things now in the mm. future with more risk. I know that the faithfulness has proven to be there every season beforehand. So good. Oh my gosh. So good. You, I love the combination that you've had through your journey of committing and going for it and like being strategic and creative and like you've done so many out of the box things and have worked so hard for this God dream. And then at the same time, you've just put so much faith into it too. Like it's been such a spiritual journey and you've gotten to see the Lord show up in like ginormous ways and just went on a whim and did some risky things too. And so the combo of that is truly incredible. And we can relate to it so much, of course. There's been like so many moments (laughs) where we're like, oh my gosh, we just swiped our card on something huge and I hope people show up or And sometimes we do it without even thinking twice. At this point, we do. Like, and you probably relate to that. Like, sometimes I feel like we just take risk and we don't even know it's a risk because we trust God so much at this point. We're like, oh no, we've seen him show up before. I don't even really think twice about this thing that might be scary. It will be funny though, because in a couple of weeks after doing that, I'll be like, oh, Mac, 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 if this doesn't happen though, and and then reality (laughs) hits us. Uh, uh, or our husbands. The husbands have a new perspective. They haven't walked through it all with us. So they're like, you guys need to do that different, but it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. Okay. So to the girl that's just like sitting there listening to this and she's at the beginning of a God dream, what would you say to her? I mean, you've said so much stuff already, but what would you say to her? She's like, should I do this? Should I not? Or maybe she's like already knee deep, what encouragement or direction would you have for her? Okay. So I have two answers then to the girl who is thinking about doing ministry. I was actually thinking about this before the call and think how I'd encourage someone in that season of life. And what hit me in this kind of idea is that whether the person, whether you're listening to this podcast, you're thinking, well, I want to launch a blog or I want to launch a podcast or I want to be a speaker or I want to be a preacher or whatever it is. What I would say to you is, are you actually serving locally right now? I think it's at, in this season and you can look around and think, oh, I want to be that person who's on stages. Or I want to be that person who's a writer and has five books out who is shaping like a big majority of Christian culture. Or I want to be back in Kent. I want to do what they're doing. And they're not mm-hmm. bad desires. Those desires could actually be from the Lord. So don't shame that hunger in your heart. But if you're not actually just doing it with people in your community, leading a small group through your church, grabbing your friends together from a college group, even if you're post-grad, you're post-delight like, in college, Find people who are around you in that moment. If you're not doing that first and foremost, then I would say you don't really have a place yet in building a ministry out elsewhere because it can be so easy to want to do it for the look or for the show or the accomplishment of the pride, but it has to come from you actually doing it yourself first and foremost. Yeah. And then with that, I would say like with like with your faithful with little, you get faithful, you can be trusted with a lot. It comes from Luke 16. And so just taking those small steps of faith and asking God to challenge you, ask God to give you a challenge that kind of questions your obedience or not if you're going to say yes or no to it. 
because making those hard decisions and taking those small yeses will then, like you're saying, you now are taking risks that you wouldn't even blink twice about where 10 years ago, you couldn't even fathom taking that risk yourself. And so I would just say, be faithful, ask God to show you those little steps here and there, and then just do it. Practice being radically obedient, because the only reason why I probably say us three where we are, because we were just obedient past things that even made sense in our own lives. Mm, yeah. And then for your other kind of season of life, those who are just doing it, is I would say, don't forget God. Again, I know that sounds so dumb, but I would probably guess that the three of us too, since we are used to taking risks. I keep saying that it's like, it's, I can do the God thing now without God because it's just how I operate. It's easier for me to take the risks and not actually sit there and think, Lord, is it actually what I mean to do or not? It sounds like the really cool God thing to do, but is that actually what you want? And so yeah. I would just say there was a really big season when I was year two of salt, when I was constantly trying to create content and write Instagram posts and make videos and whatever it was. And one day the Lord's like, you're, you're giving them stale bread. I was like, what? Hmm. He's like, you haven't sat with me for yourself in a long time. And you're just giving them things that you've learned years ago or you heard from a friend, but you're not giving them things from your own actual experience sitting with me. Yeah. And I was rocked because it's like, that's not what I want. I want ministry yeah. to be this thing where it's an overflowing in my own walk with Jesus, not just thing of just like kind of accomplish a task and get a post sent out and say that I did a good job with that day. So I would just say those kind of tips of do ministry where you're at first and foremost for trying to build it out. Be faithful with little and God will trust you with more and more over time. And don't forget him in the process. Like mm. he needs to be the one that's dictating yeah. going before you in every single part of it. Hmm. Yeah, it's so good. That's so good. I always tell people like I think that our most important ministry that we'll ever do like starts at 5 p.m. every day. As soon as like the vocation, like the work piece of ministry, if your ministry is done, it's what you're doing after that matters so much more. And it's the way that you're loving your people, your family, your friends. And it's the way that you're doing that in your community. And that's the stuff that will never get shared on Instagram. It's the stuff that will never make it into the podcast and things like that. But those are the places like, and I, and I, it's not just true because it's like, oh, that's what you should be doing. You should be doing things secretly in the hidden places. But Honestly, for me, those are the things that nourish my heart the most. It's those pockets of ministry that give me the fuel to do the public ministry always. And so I think that's so good, so important. And I think all of us can attest to the fact that no matter what, like ministry is hard and it is not glamorous. It's not as glamorous as it looks. <laughs> we were just laughing before we got on this about some of the very unglamorous sides of starting a ministry, but it's just really hard. And like, there's always going to be seasons of difficulty and hardship. And I think I've seen so many people reach those seasons and choose to hit the eject button. And I think it's so cool, Krista, that you are one of the people who has stayed faithful in your journey, even though I know it's been hard. And even I, even when I know there have been moments where you could have been like, God, this was a fun thing to do and I'm going to go just do normal life. I'm going to go be like everybody else or just have it easier. And I just want to know for you, what have been the things like, hmm. what have been the things that you've had to do in those seasons when ministry feels really bleak and really dark and really hard? And what have been the things that you've had to do or the things that God has had to tell you to keep you steady and to keep you rooted in the original vision he placed and the calling that he placed on your life? that question just like hits so deep to the core because there are so many seasons that I could just put on the towel and whether it be a financial mm -hmm. need or just like 
I hope I would say too that you can't get out of ministry unscathed. Whether someone questions your leadership, questions your decisions, bashes you on social media publicly, wants to cancel culture you, or the other side would like you've hurt someone yourself and how you've been a leader. Yeah. And there's been seasons when like those things have happened on both sides of that side of that spectrum. There's been financial things. There's been just like seasons of life changing, getting married and having my husband be running a ministry full time. There's so much of that eject button you're talking like the, the, right, the right idea or we hear about the idea of like ringing a bell in a wrestling ring like i just want to be oh and tap out like i'm done mm-hmm. um what i would say is i give myself permission to quit once a month <laughs> there's sometimes <laughs> when i wake <laughs> up i love um, it do it today and i think it's gonna be fine if i don't work today it's gonna be fine and i just take care of myself or i spend time with the lord or i call a friend or i line up for my mentors to give me like a pep talk and that's just like ministry. If we actually believe that God is the one who's in charge of our ministry, then us taking a day off or Sabbath resting once a week or once every quarter for like a couple of days, it will, the thing will still keep going. So I do that. Um, the, the one, I wish I had my whole Bible in front of me, but I did go through a really tough season and I'll share it in a, in a nutshell. Cause I think these stories are actually really compelling to hear. But a year after COVID hit, we were going to do in-person conference when it was a time that it was like, it was acceptable to be open, but probably not like people weren't like wildly okay with it. So we launched a conference knowing we might get some pushback, but we had an online option and an in-person option. And then after we launched, we literally got like socially canceled. People were posting our like announcement on their stories who weren't even following us, people to come comment and just bash. And the people that I knew, people that I didn't know. But yet, whenever we tried to engage, like in a conversation through an actual DM, no one responded back to us. It was only about socially canceling people. And that was really tough. I'm like, hey, Lord, why am I doing this? Am I my bad leader? Did I not hear your voice correct? All these questions in my head were just like swirling around. Hmm. And then one day I got in bed. I was like, you got to give me some scripture. Like, I got to get something out of this. I'm totally just like opening a floor. <laughs> I need and I'm, like, some scripture. <laughs> give me some truth that I can hold on to because this is just like, yeah, I can't do this. And I think it was in Second Timothy 1, I believe. Um, I could be wrong on that. I can send you the notes. You can change it in the notes or whatever's afterwards. But I read it in the message version. And it was talking about how when the message came to you, as Paul talking, it didn't just come to you with words, but also with a conviction of steel and power, where you knew that the truth of the gospel was actually truth. And then later on in the chapter, it talks about how because of your faith, people everywhere know who Jesus is. And so it's like going to find scripture that's almost like reminding you that you are in a battlefield, that you are in a war, but that you have the all-powerful being behind you who's fighting with you, defending you, advocating for you. So in those really tough seasons, it really just comes back to reading some like foundational scriptures that you have in your life to remind you why you do what you do. And the last thing too is know your why. Like I don't do it every single day, but writing out your actual why and going back to that on a weekly basis will keep you strong when you do go through hard seasons because you will have them. And another scripture that I pulled out actually to share here is in James 3. It's the idea of not everyone should want to be a preacher or a teacher because you're held to a higher standard. And if you say yes to leading a ministry, whether it's something as extreme as like a church or whatever, or just like even leading a small group, when you say yes to the Lord and step forward in faith, the target on your back gets bigger and bigger from the enemy. And you just have to know that <laughs> it sucks because you're like, but God, I want to follow you. 
but as yeah. my mentor Emily mm-hmm. talked about, she's like, Christianity is not like a cruise ship with Virgin Margarita's forevermore. It's a battleship. Mm-hmm. And when you say yes to the Lord, you have to know that. That's not going to be just all bells and whistles and fun and good God stories. Like you're going to have a full spectrum, but you know that you do that whole spectrum with Jesus, who's obviously always going to be fighting for you. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. I know for myself in hard seasons, it's really easy to just get in like a spiral mentally too of like, oh, this all sucks. Like Mac is the worst. Delight is boring. <laughs> For the girl takes all my energy. And not only am I thinking it, but then I'm like talking to like my husband about it like that. Or then I'm like talking to a friend about it like that. And then all of a sudden I've created this narrative of eject, eject. It's going to be over soon. When can I be done? And I feel like it always shifts for me when I hear one person's perspective that's different. That's like, doesn't just agree with me, but like Ken's like, it's so cool about like blank, blank and blank. Or like, you guys have such a thing going on here. And somebody points out like the why or the God dream or the truth in it all. And so, yeah. And in addition to all those things, I would say it's so important to number one, discipline yourself with how you're speaking about your God dream, because yeah, it can get really ugly really fast. But number two, surround yourself or get perspective from people that are actually going to point out something different than maybe just like the best friend that's on your team or something like that. I know those moments I've been like, oh my gosh. And truly Josh, he's actually one of the people that's always like, no, you got to like do more here. Like, this is so good. And like being right next to a person who's like, stick with it is one of the most powerful things. And so, wow, that is so good. I feel like we got so many things. We're going to have to do like episode two, three, four, five about like, (laughs) about we could go on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We really could. Well, what are you excited for these days? What's on the horizon? Where's your spirit at? I mean, you're still in the midst of it, doing the thing. So, yeah. Yeah. I have so many things I'm excited for. The most recent crazy God story was I have been running salt by myself, basically, the last couple of years. I've had volunteers come and go and some part-time workers who've all been incredible. But I haven't had like a like a like fully, fully in it, like like kind of person and the Lord brought me someone about a year ago now and she worked at Amazon and out of nowhere she was doing some hiking ministry for us on the side but then out of nowhere she came to me and she's like Krista the Lord's asked me to quit my job and work for you for free for six months to a year and it's just like a total just like again Dawn's prayer of like bring her who she needs and Rochelle has been the most amazing amazing addition to my life as a friend to salt as a business and a ministry mm. like I'm a total a dreamer and visionary just a total implementer and like question asker and so together I just the Lord couldn't have done a better pairing for us and so working with her and seeing what we have going on for salt and like in essence what we do at Liz Salt I think I even shared that but our heart is to create a ministry an intergenerational women's ministry in Seattle this place is so different than a lot of the world. The Northwest is just, it's a hard place to have ministry that can thrive. And you have political and social and different ideations around all these different kind of bigger concepts that make it hard to actually just stand on truth. And so I'm just so excited to see what God's going to do over the next couple of years, us choosing to be rooted in Seattle, creating quarterly spaces for women to come and gather. Oh no, I have a quick question. I have a quick question, yes. Krista. I just want to know really quickly, <laughs> your original vision was like, oh my gosh, I want to reach people nationwide. How did you come 
to the conclusion to just be in Seattle and like how did I, I guess speaking to the girl that's like, oh my gosh, I always I want to do something big and I want to blow it up. That's just so cool that you decided to do it local. Could you speak into that a little bit? Yeah, that's a great question. I was told that girl's like, we're going to go on a cross country, coast to coast tour. We're going to get the travel van. We're going to do events all around. And then Emily, my mentor's husband one day was like, why do you want to go across the country? It's not really how you disciple someone. You can't just like pop in and do a big like showy event and leave. Anyone can entertain someone for a period of time, but to actually see change, you can't just pop in and out. So then the vision was the West Coast. I'm just loving the I-5 corridor because I went to school in California and then I'm from Oregon and I live in Seattle and just like really loving the West Coast. And hopefully maybe 15 years from now, we have the salt that's like all along the West Coast because it is a place in my heart. I think what has really hit me is that there is so much entertainment in the Christian world. So much like fun, snappy, good one-liners here and there, good concepts here and there. But to actually see life change, it has to come through community. One doesn't have to, but a lot of it comes through community. And I want to be able to create a space that's a community. People can come back to it multiple times throughout a year. And then the online portion to me is for those we call them the hungry ones in our audience. So those who can't find community because they are like the only one where they're at currently and they need to have resources how to equip them to find community similar to For the Girl and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But I just think like so good. being in one place for community is important. But then I also think that the reason why I am who I am is because I have, I've had intergenerational friendships. It all comes into discipleship. It's that I've been able to reach out to those who are seasoned, like just one season or like five seasons ahead of me who've made mistakes, who pursued Jesus through it all and can tell me their wisdom through their own lived experiences that I can like kind of grow up to. But then I have those who are younger than me who are asking me questions I'm held accountable to. And so again, that has to kind of happen in communities because you have to build that with people that you can do life with. And post-COVID, in our season of social media, we're all so isolated. You just miss the beauty of just doing life on life. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. And so cool to think too. Like I think about, I think I go back to the early days of delight and seeing like how it started with like delight at our campus and like seeing it work and seeing the gift of community and then realizing so many other people need community and then equipping and sending people to start communities on their campuses. And yeah, I think that's just so cool. Like, I can't wait to see what the focus happens when you're like, we're going to go all in on Seattle. Yeah. And then what that can launch in the future is really, really cool to think about. So, Aww. man, if anybody's in Seattle right now, Coming they got to like, we <laughs> got to. Yeah. Like, Shoot, should I be moving to Seattle right now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. And then also like people can follow along with all you're doing because I I think there are a lot of hungry people out there who are hungry for community and you guys resource people so well. So it's Instagram is live salted, right? Yep. Mm hmm. Live Salted. We'll put all the links down below for you guys to get connected with all that Chris is doing. Is there anything else, though, that you didn't get to share that you're excited about? Yeah, I love that you asked. I was like, maybe I should share. I don't know. Um, It's one verse I want to end on. Um. So in Psalm 16, do you guys know the verse that talks about boundary lines falling in pleasant places? No. <laughs> no, I'll top ahead. Okay, this, okay, I listened to a Sean Nyquist uh, podcast years ago about it. But Psalm 16 talks about this idea that when we are given an inheritance, like our boundary lines fall in pleasant places. And it's a really beautiful like, message around like knowing what you're called to, what you're not called to, and knowing when to say no and mm-hmm. stuff. But uh, I was at a retreat last week, and this woman was talking about this verse in a different way. 
and she's Hispanic and so she was saying all of it in Spanish, which is the most beautiful thing to hear scripture, like in not your native tongue. And the literal translation of it was that my cords have fallen in pleasant places. And so a little quick history, historical background on this is that person who was saying this is David and he was the youngest of eight sons or eight brothers. And so back in the day when they would actually inherit land from their father, they would take these cords and then come around their head like a lasso and then throw it out into the field. And wherever the cords would land between that and where they were was their inheritance. And so this idea of like my boundary lines fall in pleasant places is like a really kind of idea of like I get land to work with. But since David was the eighth brother, he probably would have had no land to throw the cords to. So she was telling this kind of story to us on stage. She was like, all David could have done was take his cords and just drop them where they were. And he said that they were pleasant places. And so what I want to say again to these people that are out there is that the Lord is going to put boundary lines in pleasant places for your life. That could be something that looks like where God's calling you to ministry on your campus right now or outside of that when you graduate or when God asks you to launch a ministry, whatever it is. But in addition to that, when you feel insecure, not enough, not qualified, he's also given you your skill set. Like your boundary lines have fallen in your body and how you look, how you hold yourself things that you can and cannot do in this season. Mm-hmm. And so as you go out, just know you don't need to have all the qualifications to say yes. He just wants a surrendered and willing heart to go after that. And your violence have fallen in pleasant places. So know that whatever he's gifted you with, it's all that he needs. And from yeah. there, he'll morph you, he'll mature you, he'll give you people to come alongside you and train you up as well. Mm-hmm. But you don't need to go out and get a master's degree or like seminary degree. And like, if he asks you to do it, then go be faithful and be and do it. But you don't need all those things. You just need to be surrendered and faithful yeah. and say yes and then follow him. Yes, yeah. exactly. So good. That's amazing. You're the best. Oh my gosh, just sharing so much <laughs> wisdom with us. We love you so much. And we're just so excited to see all that God is doing through your life. And he's going to continue to do more and more as you stay faithful to him for real. It's so good. We're so grateful for you and all of your wisdom. We definitely want to continue this conversation for all the dreamers out there because I know there's lots of them. This is especially fun for me because one of my favorite podcasts is How I Built This. Of course, it's like you know, yes. anything oh, that's in the realm. Yeah. <laughs> this is like How I Built This Ministry Edition. I, I love it. <laughs> Guy Raz. We are Guy Raz. That's the host name. That's right. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right, you guys. Thanks for listening to today's episode. And we can't wait to chat with you next week. See you guys later.